0: You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. I
1: want to invite you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And if you're anything like me, of course, the coronavirus has caught us off guard, certainly as a nation and absolutely as a globe. As of this morning, over 156,000 people have been infected, 142 countries across the world, and sadly, 5,800 plus deaths. And so we come to a juncture in life when we say, God, we need you. We need you desperately. And so this past Friday, as I was reflecting on this journey of faith, I was drawn to shift gears from Luke and go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's one of those beautiful passages that have been longstanding in history. Songs have been sung about it in the 60s. For every season, there's a time under heaven. But as I was reflecting on Ecclesiastes 3, a few questions came to mind. First... Where do we turn in times of trouble and uncertainty? When we have more questions than answers, how do we stay the course, continuing to live faithfully and fruitfully? In a world overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, how do we, the church, the people of God, bring peace and hope to all? And so Ecclesiastes, I believe, gives us some great answers. And I hope you have your Bibles open. And as always, I like to start with a blessing. And I think God's word constantly is given to us as a blessing. And so it's this. Because God is sovereign. Each one of us can experience and share the hope we have through the seasons of life. And so that's what Ecclesiastes is all about. It's about the seasons of life. And boy, in the Midwest, we enjoy the four seasons. And the longer I live, the more I realize there are seasons. And sometimes seasons in life catch us off guard, like we've recently been caught off guard with corona. Mm. And so let me give you a little bit of background of Ecclesiastes 3. The book of Ecclesiastes opens up very despairing. In fact, Solomon, who was given great wisdom, writes this out of despair. And he's looking at life, he's saying, vanity, vanity. I've done this, I've explored that, I've lived long, and I'm kind of a man without hope. And Solomon coined a term, life under heaven, meaning life below heaven or life on earth. And yes, it looks despairing and looks uh, vanity. But then in chapter 3, something happens in Solomon's life. He looks up instead of looking down. He plants his feet more in eternity and towards the Lord than on The the seasons of life that are fleeting and passing and sometimes tumultuous. And so beautifully, chapter 3 opens with hope and with God on the center stage. And that's radically different from the first two chapters. And so this morning I want to share with us just a few truths from Ecclesiastes 2 that will allow us to experience hope individually and share hope with others during these difficult times. And so truth number one, and this is beautiful, it's foundational to all of scripture, but more particularly Ecclesiastes three, God is sovereign over the times and seasons of life. And boy, is that not a truth to hang our head on. So look at Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one. Solomon writes, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. The phrase under heaven has a very positive connotation, because everything that happens in this time-bound universe, please hear me, don't miss this, is under the sovereign authority of God, who is sitting on his throne, ruling in heaven. Therefore, human life is not haphazard. A biblical understanding of time and its place in the Christian worldview begins with the sovereignty of God. It's Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, and he's majestic, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and there were angels serving and worshiping and bowing down. We need a picture of God's sovereignty during times of trouble. We can go back to history. And Reformers gave us a great statement. This comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Don't worry so much about that, but these beautiful truths. It states, his holy, wise, and powerful providence governs all his creatures and their actions. Mm. Therefore, we're people of hope. He's on the throne, we're not, and we stand in awe of him. Therefore, he is Lord over the time, events, and yes, even the crisis moments of life. I love what Galatians 4, four says, but when the time fully came, God sent forth his son. It was the perfect time. Mm-hmm. It was God's timing. He's seated on a throne, and at the right time, he sends forth his son. Jesus began his public ministry saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Mm-hmm. Repent and believe. Think about it. The time, that's a definite article. Very specific time. And so God is Lord over the times and seasons of our life because he rules and overrules every area of our lives is under his control and beautifully under his care. About three years ago, Ellen and I were leaving Minnesota to go on vacation to New York. And from our home in Minnesota to our home, our family's home in New York was 1,000 miles precisely. And I'll never forget as we were making that trip, we get a call. And it's my brother. My brother says, Keith, mom's been in a tragic accident. And I think of time right now. Mom's 82 years old. She's been in Christ 40 plus years, a godly woman. And so she drove this road thousands of times because she was a waitress, even at age 82. And then what happened was a young lady, a teenager, T-boned her. Her car was pushed off the highway, it was totaled. The airbags deployed on a very frail 82-year-old woman. Mom was rushed to the hospital. She broke her neck, nine ribs were broke. She was bruised from head to toe, hematoma. And as we drove into New York, our first stop was at the hospital to see Mom. And when I walked into the room, there she was as broken as anybody could be physically. And yet, In this time of trial and hardship, there was mom with the hope and joy of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The Lord sustained her in one of the most difficult times of her life. And then we watched the healing and the rehab. And mom today, 85 years old, still lives alone in a mobile home. And one of the beautiful recalibrations of our relationship, we've always been very close, is that I talked to mom every day. And the hope continues. There was no real despair. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of hurt. But because God is seated on the throne and my mom could accept that, she leaned into this. And today she's moving forward fruitfully and faithfully in Christ. And so there's an encouragement for all of us, regardless of what we go through in the seasons of life. We don't know what Today holds, tonight holds, this week or this month holds. Here's what we do know. We have a sovereign God who's seated on the throne. He's ruling, he's overruling. He wasn't caught off guard by the coronavirus. He wasn't caught off guard by mom's accidents. And yet when we look to him, we can move forward in the seasons of life. So thank the Lord for his sovereignty. Truth number two. God is sovereign and transforms our lives in times of trouble. What a gift. Folks, this is a blessing. Look at verse 11 in Ecclesiastes 3. Solomon writes, He has made everything appropriate or beautiful in its time. The word beautiful has a wide range of meanings in the scriptures. It's beauty of a, a, a beautiful woman like Leah or Rachel. It's beauty of something good, something right. It's used for pleasing and appropriate. And so what Solomon is suggesting here is through the seasons of life, God takes the clay of our life. And as a master potter, he puts his hands on it. And he shapes and molds and makes something beautiful. Therefore, in God's sovereignty, he transforms us into the glorious image of his son, Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, you know, looking back in life, when were the times you were most changed, you were most transformed to be like Jesus? I know in my own spiritual journey, as much as I love the mountaintops, and I've had some, the transformation takes down in the valleys. You know, the story of Joseph is a remarkable story. 11 chapters in the book of Genesis, literally almost 20% of Genesis is dedicated to the patriarch Joseph. And so he lost a lot. He went through a lot of pain. His family forsook him. His brothers hated him. They wanted him dead. He's serving well in Potiphar's house. He's lied about. He's thrown into prison. Friends in prison forget about him. But guess what? God was still involved transforming Joseph. I want to read from Psalm 105, verses 16 through 19. Listen to these words. God called down famine against the land of Egypt and destroyed the entire food supply. Notice the next phrase. He sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Here's what the Bible does. The Bible takes full credit for sending Joseph to Egypt. Mm. At the same time, God holds Joseph's brothers and family responsible for their actions. Even the evil and tragic occurrences must bow to the good purposes of our sovereign God. He's not aloof. We can trust him that the crosses in our life can truly become ornaments of beauty. We have the privilege this morning to hear from one of our elders, Greg Argenbright. Many of you are familiar with Greg and Cheryl. And so Greg has a story of transformation through times of trial So let me invite you up, young man.
0: A lot of you remember the tough times uh, that the financial crisis brought uh, to America in the years 2008 uh, to 12 or so. Uh, It was a particularly hard time for Cheryl and I, who were making our living in construction And there were other industries hurt hard as well Uh, but I look back at some journal entries that I made at the time and did a quick little summary that I'd like to share with you it was certainly uh, one of the hardest times in our lives but a time that God did transform here's a few things that I wrote down and commented on first of all uh, a, a word from the Lord that really helped me get through the time Isaiah 41 13. for I am the Lord your God who takes you by your right hand and says to you do not fear I will help you and this is a journal entry I wrote at the time this is the promise that I cling to <clears throat> This word from the Lord sustains me. He is my helper in the midst of the storm. We have no resources left unless he provides, sustains, and helps us. We will utterly fail. Thanks be to God, he has brought us through the storm thus far, and he will bring us to the haven of our desire. Psalm 107. 23 mm-hmm. through 30 At this point in our lives we were three and a half years into the financial crisis We had gone from nine hundred thousand dollars equity in two properties in 2008 to zero equity in 2012 wow. mm-hmm. Construction work had been cut in half and I had to let all of my employees go mm-hmm. We cashed out our 401ks and savings to pay suppliers. The IRS was garnishing what little the business was making to repay withholdings. I was unable to take a wage out of the business, so we made no house payments for several months. Our home was on the market, slightly underwater. And at the same time, I had to deal with basal cell carcinoma And surgery our youngest son was on the battlefield in Afghanistan I began to experience sleepless nights and gut-wrenching days month after month and then one night about 1 a.m. in the darkness I heard the Lord's voice and he spoke to me in a way I'd never heard before Mm -hmm. His word came to me in the darkness. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and dine with you. Revelation 3.20 It shook me awake and I laid in the darkness knowing I had experienced a new thing with God, an intimacy indescribable. At that moment, fear fled my heart, and his peace overwhelmed me. The anxious nights and cold sweats never returned again. I knew he was leading us forward. I looked forward to waking up now in the middle of the night and waiting in the darkness to hear his voice. Sometimes I simply fell back to sleep. Sometimes he spoke again sometimes i prayed but it was always a time of great joy and peace since that time the financial struggles gradually lessened work increased and He began to bless us in ways we had not experienced before intimacy with him and each other as husband and wife are now our biggest treasures I am convinced that we would not know this greatest of all treasures had the losses not been so devastating mm. or the pain so deep. Now I find myself often saying simply, Jesus does all things well. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Greg.
1: Thank you, Greg. I've heard that story before. However, uh, it means more and more every time I hear it. So thank you for sharing your heart and Cheryl for being a part of that. C.S. Lewis said this, and it's so important when we go through trials, wonderments, things we can't figure out. He said this, pain is God's megaphone. He whispers to us when we laugh, but he shouts to us when we weep. And I think Greg's testimony bears that out. And so as we go through times of wonderment, trial, season of life, boy, look for God's transformation. Look for his glorious presence. Mm -hmm. He shows up in ways that maybe we've never ever experienced before. And we are transformed into the glorious image of his son. Thank you, Lord. Final truth, God is sovereign. So we can trust the Lord in the mystery And I love this concept of mystery because we as Christians stay humble. We're not arrogant to think we have all the answers, that we can kind of figure out the coronavirus and put God into a box. This is what's going on. So we're going to live in the mystery today. And so did Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3. Mm -hmm. Look again, verse 11b. It's a beautiful statement. He, God, has put eternity in their hearts, our hearts, But man cannot discover or literally fathom the work God has done from beginning to end. Mm. I like that. Because God is God and I am not. And we get to humbly bow before his throne. You know, human beings crowd for answers and how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Whoever Solomon says will never put all the pieces of the puzzle together. But one thing we can do, we can stand in awe of him. Scripture makes it clear, we may never know why, but we can still trust God in the mystery. Because he is the Alpha and the Omega, he sees the beginning from the end. We can say, yes, Lord, even in the most difficult times. We have a book in the Old Testament, which some think is the first book ever to be in the canon of Scripture. Predating the books of Moses is the book of Job. And so, 42 chapters dedicated to one thing why God? <laughs> and then it concludes. And God says to Job, Were you there when I hung the earth in the galaxy? Were you there when I created the universe? When I created these beautiful animals, these dinosaurs? If you will, were you there in the majesty of creation going all the way back to the beginning of time? And Job finally humbled himself. And one of the greatest statements in the book of Job is this He says, Lord, I knew about you, but now I know you. That's the conclusion of the book of Job. What a beautiful truth. And in the mystery, Job never got all his questions answered. Never. He never could put the pieces of the puzzle perfectly together, but he could look up and stand in awe of the Lord. Mm. And that's the privilege you and I have today. Isaiah 55 may be familiar to you. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, my thoughts than your thoughts. Isn't that great? We have a God who is way bigger and higher and greater. Therefore we stand in awe and worship. I know in my own life that some of the most confusing and painful times has caused me just to bow the knee to look up and say, God, I knew about you, but now I know you more intimately. Mm Yesterday, our family went to see a movie that I highly recommend. I cried through most of the movie. Yes, I'm a big baby. <laughs> and the movie's titled, I Still Believe, and I would see it again and again. It was just that beautiful. I didn't know the backstory of the movie, and I'm not gonna give, you, give it all away, because I want you to go see it, but I will say this. Just picture this, you're in your early 20s, and you're like Keith, madly in love with Ellen. <laughs> That's the story of uh, Jeremy Camp, And so he discovered this girl named Melissa. He fell in love with her, head over heels. But before they were engaged, she was diagnosed with intense cancer that literally overwhelmed her body. And so the movie tells that story and it's beautiful. And in the end, the tragedy, cancer took her life. There was a conclusion. Jeremy Camp with his new family decades later says this, For the past decades, we have been telling Melissa's God story to the nations. And thousands, if not millions, have been influenced for the kingdom and glory of God. When Jeremy struggled with how to handle the loss of his, his precious gift, Melissa, Melissa knew that day was coming. And she inserted some beautiful reminders to him that one day when he opened and revealed it, God spoke to him and said, pick up the guitar again and start ministering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Over 5 million albums have gone out globally through this artist ministering for Jesus. The mystery's still there. Why does God choose a vessel so beautiful, so young, so godly, and let her life be like a seed falling into the ground and dying? But as it falls into the ground and dies, It comes up resurrected, bearing much fruit. That's the gospel. That's a picture of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so here we stand today, wondering about the coronavirus, but boy, oh boy, we're able to go up a notch and look to a God who's on the throne. Look to a God who is sovereign, who transforms us into pain and the wonderment, who takes the mysteries of life and uses it for his kingdom and glory. And I trust you'll find hope in that. One final thing before we close with song and prayer. Solomon says God has put eternity in the hearts of people. I believe this with all my heart right now. I believe God is going to use the coronavirus in the lives of many people to cause them to look up. The coronavirus has clearly shown us how fragile we are, how human we are. Teach us to number our days, Lord. And so you and I have the privilege to not only experience this hope, but to share the love and hope and gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why? Because God has put eternity in the hearts of people. There is a God-shaped vacuum in them. And until that vacuum is filled, that hole is filled with the good news of Jesus Christ, people like Solomon mm. walk in despair. So let's bring hope, let's bring blessing, let's share the good news. Let's be a people of light in the midst of this dim season of life. May God bless you.